Well, welcome everyone. This is the uh, first episode. Actually, it's a uh, it's a reboot of our first episode from last Sunday that we are just trusting that's going to work just fine today. And I just want to welcome you guys. So everyone who's joining us today, very, very excited to uh, get this off the ground. It's been something I've thought about for months and uh, really excited to know that um, this is going to happen. So I'm going to um, make sure that you're getting on. I just, I see some people and I want to make sure it's happening. So let's see, I've got Aaron on. Um, let's see who else. We may just allow a little time to make sure everyone gets into the call. Hopefully the instructions that you received were clear and you were able to make it. I see more people coming online now, so that's very good. So again, welcome. Um, this is Call to Awaken. It's a, uh, a name that is near and dear to my heart. I've been having a lot of time uh, being here in Hawaii with not a whole lot to do, um, thankfully and gratefully, um, to really think about what is the essence of our spiritual journey and what is it that we put our attention on, focus our time on um, what is the, you know, the, the quintessential focus point for a spiritual life. And um, coincidentally, this morning, as I was thinking about the message I wanted to share with you, I was reading a uh, quote from Anthony Machado. And Anthony Machado was a wonderful, um, he's, a, he's a Spanish poet. And his work has been translated by Robert Bly. And one of the things that he said was this. He said, beyond living and dreaming, there is something more important, and that is waking up. And then he went on to say that of all the words of Jesus, they could all be reduced down to two words, wake up, wake up. So this is our invitation. This, this is why we, we gather. This is why we pursue this spiritual life, is to accomplish this one seemingly simple uh, accomplishment, which is to awaken to who and what we truly are. And most of the time, um, because we're born into physical form, born into bodies, um, we have a body, we have a mind, we have a mind that can, that can uh, imagine, uh, we can create all kinds of stories, we can, we can create interpretations, um, we can take in all kinds of data from our senses and then make, make up meaning about those. And all of that sort of builds a reality that we call the human life. And as much as that is okay at the level of functioning at the human level, um, it does not give us a window into our soul. It does not give us uh, the awareness of this deeper dimension of our being. Unless we pursue this work, which is working inwardly, looking inwardly, taking uh, a reflective look and a, contempl a contemplative look at who and what we truly are. And it's that journey, the journey that A Course in Miracles says is without distance, that bears fruit for the spiritual realization that you and I really want, regardless of whatever goals we might have in our life. And, and those are all fine and good, things we'd like to accomplish and acquire and, and, um, 
and contribute. But what we want in more than anything else is we want to know who we are. We want to know our true identity. We want to know who we are before we came into this body and what we will be continue to realize after we leave and lay down this physical form. And it's that dimension of our being that the spiritual life really calls us to to do and to realize. So that is why I chose a call to awaken. Obviously, a bit of a play on words, because we're also um, putting setting this up as a call where you can uh, call in. Um, and in fact, um, I want to say a little bit about the format of this. Uh, to start with, I'm going to share a message, and I don't know how long I'll speak, probably 20 minutes, maybe more. Uh, and then I will enable the call-in feature uh, of this podcast, and you'll see a little uh, button on your screen, uh, or whether it's whether you're on your phone or whether you're on a, a desktop uh, of the CastBox application, and it'll say call. Um, and when, when that light is green, then you can call and um, you will then be connected into this conversation and I'll be able to connect you um, and we'll have a conversation and it could be just uh, however you see it. I'm open to um, doing it in different ways. Um, you may have a question, you may have a comment, you may just want to share something. Um, and so it'll be an opportunity for us to do that. I, I really see this as a community, uh, building a community, an online spiritual community uh, that isn't just, um, you know, a, a place where somebody can go and, and listen to a message. Lord knows there's infinite amount of that kind of content on the Internet today. And so um, this is meant to be more than just uh, an inspirational message, which I hope it will be. But then it'll also be an opportunity for us to connect, uh, to share, to hear each other uh, on this um, this multi-level um, path that you and I are on, with the multiplicity and diversity of perspectives, and and the levels of awareness that that each of us have that we can bring to this um, this conversation that is fruitful in in many cases. And Jesus said, when two or more are gathered, there I am in the midst of you. And I I really believe that. I believe it takes takes two or more people to be uh, joined together with this intentionality to awaken that makes it that much more likely to, to manifest in the room, in the shared reality, in the shared experience. So um, that's my, uh, my hope and my uh, expectation that we'll be able to do that. Um, so I want to share today with you a talk that I gave uh, for quite some time uh, when I was between ministries, and um, I named it Growing in the Cracks of Life. And some of you may have heard this before. I probably have shared it in other ministries, um, but it's all, it always comes out a little different, and it always has a fresh um, perspective and a, and a fresh message for, for me and, uh, and I hopefully for all of you as well. So um, I want to begin with um, reading this poem by Anthony Machado, the poet that I mentioned earlier. He's a, uh, a Spanish lyric poet, and this was translated by Robert Bly. And it goes like this. Last night, as I was sleeping, 
I dreamt marvelous error, that a spring was breaking out in my heart. And I said, along which secret aqueduct, O water, are you coming to me, water of a new life that I have never drunk? Last night, as I was sleeping, I dreamt marvelous error, that I had a beehive here inside my heart, and the golden bees were making white combs and sweet honey from my old failures. Last night, as I was sleeping, marvelous air, that a fiery sun was giving light inside my heart. It was fiery because I felt warmth as from a hearth, and sun because it gave light and brought tears to my eyes. Last night, as I slept, I dreamt marvelous air that it was God I had inside my heart. So what's really wonderful about this poem is that it kind of pokes fun a little bit at the moment when, when you and I see things for the first time, an epiphany, where you realize something and you don't quite trust that the vision is a vision of reality. And you tend to call it, as Machado does, a marvelous error. So the question is, when these revelations are given to you, when you see things entirely differently, when when everything becomes a flip-flop, a reversal of what you thought, are those revelations more illusion, or are they merely showing us a greater reality? You know, most of us go through our lives with the perceptions that are given to us by our senses. We have eyes and ears, and we have a sense of, uh, of touch and smell and, 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 and hearing. And all of those things give us a certain amount of data. And, and when we use that as our perceptual field, and, and only that perceptual field, then we are given a limited understanding of reality, what we would call reality. In fact, there's a word that I heard the other day that I thought really matches up with this notion. It's called consensual reality. Consensual reality. It's the reality that all of us agree on. It's because we we have a shared experience of a perception. So we say the sky is blue or the ocean is blue or this this grass is green or this flower is red. These are this is consensual reality. And it's very uh, influential in terms of giving us a picture of what's so. And so when we're really looking to expand our awareness, when we're really looking to wake up to the grandest version of ourself, the deepest awakening that we can have, which is to awaken to what we are beyond the physical, which would be the metaphysical um, uh, inquiry and the truth of us, then we have to recognize that we, we, we can't just trust the senses. The senses are very important to us at one level, but they belie the deeper truth of us. And so we have to hold that lightly when we say what's really going on. What is available to me? Who and what am I? What's the possibility in this situation? When it, and when it looks really dark and when it looks really dim, when, when the circumstances of our life um, are difficult and we strictly look at our, the, senses, the sense perception or the ordinary mind perception, then we can often feel like we are in a crack in life. 
a, a place, a stuck place, a place that feels like life has really handed us a bad hand and that life is against us and that we feel we see little options of how to escape it or how to get out of it. It, it, it often feels, as it did in the story that I'll share with you, it really feels like something really wrong has taken place. Have you ever had that experience where you feel like there's just been a cosmic mistake? There, there's been just, you know, a, 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 some sort of software or hardware error in the, in the cosmic scheme of things, and something happened to you that just shouldn't have happened. It just it just flies in the face of of everything that you think should have happened, or in all fairness, uh, shouldn't have happened. Uh, you you try to bring all your your sense of reason and understanding, and it just keeps confounding you. And this is a place of being stuck. And I was in such a place, and and this goes back uh, in my life um, about fifteen years ago, and. It was a time in my life when I had, I was in ministry and had just finished uh, five years with our first ministry, to which Denise and I, my wife, had felt so called into this work. We, you know, you hear about people being called and we really feel, felt like that was this uh, calling that was beyond any rational um, justification that we could make for upending our life and going back to Kansas City and spending two years in a in a seminary. We had a nine-month-old baby and an 11-year-old son. Um, we did not have much in the way of savings, and it, it, we just, it didn't pencil out financially, um, but there was something so much greater, and this was, the, this was the wonderful part about it. There was this sense of, go, it will work out. It was a uh, an irrational spiritual impulse that was convincing us that you must go, this is your time. And so we did, and we followed that impulse, and everything worked out. We, we sold a, a business in a very short time, sold two cars in one day. Uh, everything was lining up to validate this spiritual impulse, this, this guidance that I was getting, that we were getting that this was the right decision. Now, if we checked in rationally, it, would, it still wouldn't have penciled out because we had no idea how we were going to support ourselves. But again, this was like bigger than us. It was bigger than our, our worries and our fears and our doubts. And it was an assurance that, yes, go for it, do it. This is right. And the, the path will be made clear for you. And it, and it started out that way, and it did work out that way. And we ended up going to school and coming out and getting a good ministry. Um, and five years came to an end. Our contract was up. And uh, we began, actually before the contract was up, we began looking for uh, another church, another uh, place to, to, um, for us to, to, to teach and to preach. And nothing uh, came through. And we had so many um, ministries that were very interested in us and kept telling us, you know, how good our resumes looked and how qualified we were. But when it came right down to it, it's a very final decision. We would come in second place, you know, never, never to the point where we would be feeling like we weren't qualified. But then it left us with this very um, confusing feeling of why is this not working out? Well, 
long story short, and it was a very long story, it went on for months, and it got to the point where um, I became depressed. I was arguing with reality. I could not understand how I was not given an opportunity to do this work that I was so called to. And uh, we applied all over the country. We weren't limiting ourselves geographically. Um, And time and time again, we would get uh, thank you, but no thank you. And um, after a few months, and considering the fact that we had very little money and uh, no income and no place to live, um, this was a dire situation. So we, we eventually worked out finding some temporary housing up in South Lake Tahoe. And um, and it was a, a time of, um, of soul searching. And, and again, the, this feeling of, you know, feeling like a victim, feeling like life had um, dealt me a bad hand without any explanation. And I became quite depressed. I wasn't fun to be around. Um, so the turning point was this one day when um, I had an eight-year-old son at the time, and we decided to take a hike up to uh, this waterfall uh, up up above Emerald Lake in the Lake Tahoe. And we were hiking up this beautiful path, and it was a you know perfect day, and I think it was in the fall. And um, after a while, my son said, "You know, Dad, I'm tired. Can we stop? Can we rest?" And I said, uh, "Sure." So. We looked for a place to sit, and this was kind of above the uh, vegetation or the tree line. It was just kind of at that point. So we just sat down on a great big rock, great big granite rock. And, you know, I would say that uh, had I not been in such a place of seeking an answer, I don't know that I would have made the observation that I made at that time. But I was in deep question. And, and, and in sincerely wanting to have an answer for what I was to do with this confounded um, bad stroke of luck and, and, and the adversity that seemed to be uh, my fate. And as we sat down, I, I looked to where we were sitting and just a short distance away, there was a big crack in the rock. And out of that crack was growing a tiny fern plant and it looked like a tiny little Boston fern. And it was perfectly formed, very small, maybe four inches in diameter. But it was absolutely perfect. It was as perfect as a plant could be. And I was struck by the incongruence of that picture. I could not escape the message And I looked at that little fern and I thought, you know, that started out as a seed. And I know that if I'm that seed or most humans and I get dropped into a crack way up high in a mountain, I would be thinking, you know, what bad luck. I mean, really. I mean, couldn't I have been dropped down?
perfect growing conditions. But no, I, I was dropped into this stupid crack on uh, way up uh, near the timber line of a mountain. But you know, that little seed has no such story to tell. It's not, it's not um, kind of programming that you and I have that's constantly trying to run a story, that's trying to, to understand why things happen the way they do. It just goes to its own innate programming, what it only knows how to do. And it only is, knows how to do one thing. It only knows how to give life to the life force that is encoded and embedded in the seed. It is the impulse to grow and to expand and to become all that it can be. It doesn't matter where the growing conditions are. It doesn't matter where it finds itself. It's not going to limit itself or distrust the, the, its, its growing place. It doesn't have an opinion about what's good or bad. It only does what it knows how to do, and that is to grow right where it is planted. And of course, this was the lesson that I needed to hear. This was what I had been avoiding all this time. While I was, you know, noticing everything that was missing in my life, I was not doing anything with what was still in my life. I was not looking at possibilities. I was looking at the possibilities of what I wanted to be that had been taken away seemingly taken away from me. And you know, there is something about the idea that when you look for what's missing, you always come up short. When we look for what's missing, we always come up short. And the the, uh, antithesis of that, the opposite of that, which is the wisdom, is when we look for what we have, then we see the resources that we have to make the most of what we are of our situation. And that is what the lesson was on that mountaintop. Now, I would like to tell you that that happened within just a couple of weeks of my ill fortune, but it actually took months. And it was months of of being in a very dark place. Um, And I, I, but you know, you learn when you learn, you know, they, it's not how many times you forget as the Buddha said, but it's, how soon you wake up. So I woke up in that moment. I I, I realized that what I had been missing is the taking inventory of of everything that was still present in my life. Not what's missing, but what remains. And I had a beautiful partner who was supportive and and, and a child who who needed a father that wasn't uh, under a cloud. And and, um, we lived in Lake Tahoe, a most beautiful place. And I still had a, you know, I still had a healthy body, and I wasn't that old. I was a lot older than most people are when they're starting out uh, with a new career. But I had good energy. I had a good, a good mind, uh, and I had many skills that I could use. And so I just put it out there. I put it out there to the world that I would, um, I was willing. I was open, and I would, I would try to grow right where I was planted, right where the universe had uh, plunked me down, and to see if I could emulate that 
that impulse to grow regardless of my conditions, just as I had observed in this tiny little fern plant. So as it turned out, that was the turning point. And what came from that was opportunity. I found a job, uh, a better job than, than, than the minimum wage that I had been holding down. And that led to uh, advancement. And within um, maybe a year's time, I was the assistant to a department manager at a hospital um, and, and being of great value. Certainly, I wasn't in a ministry situation, but, um, you know, I still was who I am. I, I still was the person who I was when I was a minister, because ministry is only a role. Ministry is not an identity. And I had found myself, as many of us do, dropping down into identifying with what my work was, identifying with my my career, identifying with my role. And then when I that role was gone, then I had an identity crisis. I'm like, who am I without this responsibility, without this role? You know, how do I... How am I seen now? When before I was seen as a spiritual teacher, now I'm somebody who crunches numbers uh, in a cubicle. And, and, and so it was like, who decides whether that's acceptable? Who decides that one thing is any more spiritual than anything else? And I realized that my spiritual path was laid down before me in the present moment, in the present moment. And it was, I was blind to it when I was still trying to reinvent and recreate the past. And I still was not giving up hope of a better past. I was arguing with reality. And that when we stay in the past, when I, when I was in the past or into some future that I was praying would happen, then I wasn't in the present moment. And, you know, there's no finding this spiritual dimension in the past. There is no God in the past. There is no divine in the future. It's only found, it's only accessible, it's only realized in the present moment. So, I am going to put a pause there because I think that is enough of a catalyst, a, a starter for a discussion. And so I'm going to see if I can switch now into opening up the group call. I'm going to have to refresh. So bear with me a minute. Okay. So I think I've enabled the call-in function. Um, Will somebody message me and let me know? Let's see. Will somebody message me and let me know um, if you have the talk enabled on your screen now? Okay, I'm not seeing anybody. Okay, let's see. It's still disabled. Okay, thank you. 
Okay, there we go. Okay, good. Well, it looks like we have a call. And uh, it's Aaron. Hey, Aaron. I'm going to connect you, brother. I was just testing. Hello. I was just testing, but. Okay, well, hello. good. Hi. Hi. That that was it. I, I'll i get back to you with something a little more insightful, but I was just <laughs> That's okay. I needed to know that. So, so thank okay. you. All right. Anyone? Bye for now. Bye for now. Okay. So, are we still enabled? Um, It seems to be shutting off at this side where I enable the group call and then it goes off by itself. So, oh, that may be when I took the call from Aaron, which would make sense. Okay, and Aaron's telling me, in order to call, you have to click the phone button on the bottom. I don't have that on my screen. So if you're if you're on a, um, a phone or if you're on a laptop, if either way, I think there should be a, a phone button on the bottom. So um, if anyone would like to share, um, and I don't have to have to share about this message. Uh, in the future, we'll probably keep it to that. But I would like to hear from you as to what you think about this format, what you think about um, the idea of this kind of a, uh, a way of, of connecting, whether this um, does this serve what you're looking for? I know many people today are uh, making different choices around spiritual communities. Where the old days, everyone would go to church or temple or the mosque, and, and that was the kind of the only game in town and enough. And many people today are really looking for uh, other ways to um, join with others in a spiritual community or a spiritual context. And, um, you know, there's no dearth of spiritual teachers on the Internet. There's, this doesn't uh, pretend to, um, to uh, be the end all in terms of that particular service. But that's why I wanted to make sure that there would be an opportunity for us to talk to each other, to share, to ask questions, just to comment. Um, and that maybe over time we would get to know each other, those people who would decide to return again and again and that we would have sort of a, a shared um, shared reality as we grow together, as we deepen our understanding, as we, um, as we wake up together. Um, and as the Course in Miracles says, we fell asleep together, and we have to wake up together. It, it's going to take um, all of us, uh, as many of us as possible, to create this new paradigm, um, which looks inward for the truth of our being, for, for the truth of reality, for, for, for the love that does not rise and fall, that's not the, the conditional kind of love that we, we experience at, at the human level most of the time. Um, we, we don't have a model for, we don't have a model for people who live strictly by principles, uh, spiritual principles. Most of us do not have that in our life. And so we have to, in some sense, it's, we are being called to be the ones to, um, to take on the mantle of this spiritual uh, leadership uh, by becoming who and what we are in our own life. And we do that one choice at a time. 
We do that one moment at a time. We do that every time that we we face a situation in which we can either um, judge it by the apparent reality, the the, the surface reality, the, the circumstance or the situation, or we can observe that, which is part of the human experience, but then not stop there, but to go deeper, opening our mind, opening our heart, really expanding our awareness and, and accessing that part of us that is, that is love itself, that, that is spacious, that is, uh, has the capacity to be with everything and anything and not judge it. And, and that part of us has the capacity to thrive in this life. That is the part of us that um, can heal from everything and anything that happens. And that is the part of us that is the path to liberation. And frankly, I don't think that there are two more uh, distinct uh, goals of the spiritual life other than healing. And I mean that from the whole, wholeness perspective, not just physical healing, to, to realize our wholeness and to be free. And that's pretty much what all the master teachers have said. And Jesus said, you know, you shall know the truth and the truth will make you free. And of course, he was not talking about the facts, that the truth that you know, we so often um, think is the truth, and it's it's the factual what somebody said or what somebody actually did, and and that's all relative. That's something that comes and goes. It has a temporary quality to it. Uh, it cannot be relied upon. Um, it, it's it's something that functions uh, as as a truth, perhaps in a moment in time, and then in another situation, it's maybe not the truth. Uh, we, we're looking for that which uh, um, has no beginning, has no end. That this, that's the changeless reality of our being. You know, Jesus, uh, when he was trying to convey who he was to the people who were listening at the time. He said, before Abraham was, I am. Before Abraham was, I am. Obviously, he wasn't talking about his body. He was talking about his essence, his essence. Before Abraham. So those that were really trying to um, make Jesus into a Messiah that came in the form of a body, that would be their hope. Uh, he deflected them from that kind of thinking. He said that the uh, the kingdom of God is within you, and it's the Father's good pleasure to have given you the kingdom. And when you pray, pray believing that you have already received, and you will have what you're looking for. And seek ye first the kingdom of God, and then all things will be added unto you. Jesus was constantly pointing to uh, your true nature, the, the essence of you and me. And this is what all the masters have taught, that we're not who we think we are, but who we think we are, we become. And so if we're, we're stuck in a, an identity that is limited to a body and a mind and circumstances, and that's all we see ourselves to be, then we are not free because then life always has to be a certain way in order for us to be okay. And, and don't we know how that just tosses us about 
one day we're getting what we want, and the next day we're not, and our peace goes with it, up and down, and our sense of happiness and our sense of well-being are all conditioned about outer events. But that's not the truth deep down in, in you and I. There is like a, a deep well, uh, a peaceful center, if you will, that cannot be touched by life events. It cannot be deflated. It cannot be diminished. It cannot be disturbed. And that of us can't be delayed. It's not something we have to wait for. It's not something that comes into being after we die or uh, after we've done so many prostrations or so many spiritual rituals. It, it, it is the immediacy of that knowing that is waking up. It's waking up here. It's waking up now. When Jesus said, the fields are already ripe, he was telling his disciples, it's not going to be better later on. Whatever happens outside of you, whatever circumstances come and go, those will always be part of the human experience. But if you really want to have peace, if you really want to be happy, if you really want to have a sense of of well-being that, that can't be disturbed, then you need to follow this journey inward. You need to become familiar with the silent place that's prior to your senses. When you get quiet, when you when you get quiet and when you look strictly at the fact that you are having an experience and what is it that allows you to have an experience? And I'm not talking about an experience of any particular object. I'm talking about an experience without an object, which is awareness itself. Just being aware that you are aware is the way that we walk back the recognition of our true nature. It is when we no longer look outside of ourselves or look at ourselves, but we become that which can witness life that same witnessing, observing presence when you were five years old and when you were 10 years old and when you were 15 years old, your body changed remarkably during that time, circumstances changed, but that one of you, that awareness of you, that consciousness never changed. It was there through all of those events and it was not diminished or upset or made less or made greater. It was constant. And this is what we are invited to explore together in this program and this podcast. It's the deepest reality of our being. Nothing nothing less than that really ever satisfies us. We can play around with some of the metaphysical laws, and I like to do that, and you probably do too. In other words, we can become aware that our thoughts do create our reality, that you know we hold a belief about something strong enough and long enough that it, life tends to turn up that way. But it doesn't really do much if we're doing that with, from an egoic stand, standpoint. In other words, if we start thinking that we're getting really good about making life a certain way, the ego is going to get a hold of that. And then that's going to be the measure.
the spirit. That isn't the waking up that I'm talking about. I'm talking about waking up to knowing who and what we truly are. So I am running out of uh, voice here, as you probably can tell. This morning at both services, so at the 9 o'clock, 11 o'clock, and um, I actually gave a message very similar to this. And um, so I, I feel my voice is about uh, about out. <laughs> but uh, I have certainly enjoyed sharing today. And um, if there's uh, anyone who would like to jump in and make a comment or a question, I will make sure we are open for that. No pushing and shoving. There's plenty of room. <laughs> Wonderful. So let me say something about um, about next week. Next week, I am going to be um, unavailable to do a live cast, but I will be um, I will do a pre-recorded message, and. Um, that message uh, will be on finding peace, and and I will uh, upload that, and so it will play. Um, it will be available that you can replay uh, on the podcast app on Castbox. Um, just won't be uh, taking live calls that day. It won't be a live cast, but it'll it'll be a message nonetheless. And then the following week we'll be back on this particular format. So um, I'll be doing it live and. Uh, you know, most Sundays after that, only if I am being called away and I and I am doing a workshop next week, um, so the afternoon is uh, is taken away with that uh, workshop. Um, I'd love for you to come if you're going to be in Honolulu <laughs> next Sunday. It's going to be from 1 p.m. to 2:30, and it is the workshop on this topic, growing in the cracks of life. It's it's uh, it's going to be uh, videotaped. Um, and I will be making it available after it gets edited um, as, as some kind of content on my website. Um, and it's a wonderful process to go through. It, it actually takes you through the process of, of taking some difficulty in your life, some challenge, something that's been really hard for you to move through, and uh, connecting it with your life purpose so that the context for this challenge for you actually shows you how your life pur- purpose has become more come more into focus, more clarified, and becomes more powerful. and And it's a it's a process where I unfold that through meditation and um, self inquiry and uh, some stories that I share from others. So um, that's what's happening next uh, next Sunday afternoon. Uh, be cool if one of you showed up. I don't expect you to, but you know, with God, all things are possible. Anyway, uh, I thank you for listening today. Um, feel free to go to the website, LarryShellink.com, and uh, there's content on there. There's a blog on there, articles that I have written, um, and uh, you can connect to my uh, mailing list. Um, So um, I would love to stay in contact with any of you that would like to continue this dialogue in, in whatever form works for you, and I will continue to keep showing up every Sunday uh, as we launch this uh, this new venture together. So um, my prayer for you is that you continue to see the magnificence of your being, that you know who you are beyond a shadow of a doubt, 
that that you find within yourself the capacity that is love itself, that is peace, that is peace beyond human understanding, and that, that there's a joy in you that bubbles up regardless of the circumstances of your life. For that, in fact, my friend, is the truth of who you are, the truth of all of us. And when we awaken to that, we have no complaints whatsoever. God bless you all. Namaste. Good afternoon.